Welcome to Chiropractic Science, where you get to hear interviews with leading chiropractic researchers from around the world. My name is Dr. Dean Smith, and I am the host of Chiropractic Science. I'm a clinical professor in the Department of Kinesiology and Health at Miami University, and I'm also a chiropractor in Eaton, Ohio. My research interests relate to understanding how chiropractic affects motor control and human performance. Today, I thought I'd try something a little bit different for the podcast. Normally, I have a fellow researcher on to discuss their scientific articles, but today, Dr. Brian Anderson is back on the podcast, and we're going to talk about an article that neither of us are authors on. Rather, as you'll find out, we talk about an article with an interesting finding. But before we get to our discussion... I wanted to thank all of you who have subscribed to Chiropractic Science, and I'm especially appreciative to all of you who have contributed five-star reviews on iTunes. iTunes really helps others find out about Chiropractic Science. So if you like the show, please take a second and write a review. It will support chiropractors everywhere. If you would like to leave an audio review that I might include on a future episode, just connect on social media or send me an email. Please consider making a contribution to the Chiropractic Science Podcast to keep these podcasts going. You can do so on our website by making a donation. And hey, I'd be curious to find out what you think about uh, this episode. So leave us some feedback. Uh, if you like it, great. Maybe we can do more of these. All right, on to the podcast. Okay, well, I'm here with uh, Dr. Brian Anderson, and I had. Dr. Anderson on uh, uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, I guess now on the podcast, and and we're going to try something new this time. We're going to be talking about a paper, a scientific paper, and neither one of us are authors on this paper, and we just thought it would be interesting for people to hear, you know, our thoughts on the paper. Uh, Dr. Anderson, I know, has gone through it in in probably much more detail than I have. It's a little bit outside of my uh, realm of expertise. I'm, I guess, more of an experimentalist. But um, anyway, so I'll just introduce the paper in terms of the title and stuff, and then uh, Dr. Anderson can uh, can help me out with the description of the paper. But the uh, the article is called "Where to Start." a two-stage residual inclusion approach to estimating influence of the initial provider on healthcare utilization and costs for low back pain in the U.S. This was published in BMC Health Services Research uh, in 2022. And I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes uh, for this particular article. But uh, I had reached out to, to uh, Dr. Anderson because... Uh, as I was reading through it, there was something that was intriguing about the article, and this was uh, some discussion about uh, that chiropractic uh, had, you know, uh, as we've seen in, in multiple papers now, uh, a very low usage of opioids, of, um, of other services, of imaging, and that sort of thing, lower costs overall and lower opioid usage. But there was something that was uh, a bit interesting in this paper, and this was about uh, emergency department usage. And it, it demonstrated or it showed uh, that uh, emergency department use was actually the highest for chiropractic care. So we're going to dive into this paper a little bit. 
Um, and you know, that's what I do when I don't understand something. I reach out to somebody who I think knows a whole lot more than me. And, uh, that's how we got started. So Dr. Anderson, maybe you can, uh, give us some, uh, some thoughts about this paper. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again, Dean. Our first conversation was, was really productive and I think people enjoyed it. And, um, I'm happy to discuss this paper with you today. So as you said, from some of the discussion that we had about our papers in our first discussion, uh, we we saw like you like you had mentioned a, a decreased utilization of many of these healthcare services, including emergency department visits. And in in one of the papers that I authored, um, one of the the kind of standout findings was we looked at um, about eight thousand episodes of neck pain. And we found that only about 3% of those individuals who uh, were in the spinal manipulation group uh, had a visit to the emergency department. So that's uh, 24 out of, out of 806 episodes had a emergency department visit. And um, what, what you reached out to me uh, about was the finding that in this paper, this where to start paper, there was a very high utilization rate for uh, emergency department in the chiropractic group. And it was um, around 40%, if I'm remembering correctly, and we'll go through some of the details here. So that seemed uh, very extreme to me uh, as, as it did to you. So I took some time and kind of went through and analyzed this paper. So, so maybe we'll just start with talking about uh, some of the aims and the, the details of the paper. So uh, specific aims here were to determine the extent to which the first provider seen for low back pain impacts healthcare costs and utilization. So they were looking at opioids, imaging, hospitalizations, uh, and uh, as well as costs, out-of-pocket and total costs. They used a very comprehensive database from the Healthcare Cost Institute, and their final sample was uh, nearly 4 million individuals with a neck pain diagnosis. So their provider categories here were uh, either acupuncture and uh, advanced practice, registered nurse, chiropractic, uh, physical medicine rehabilitation, physical therapy, primary care, or other. Um, so again, they had about 3.8 million visits. They did exclude almost, uh, actually more than a half million uh, visits because there were individuals that saw more than one provider on the same date. On the date that they were diagnosed with neck pain, they, they saw more than one provider and 525,000 people were excluded for that reason. So they do, the authors do make a note about that and how eliminating this number of uh, individuals may cause kind of an imbalance or an upper up, uh, underrepresentation of certain provider groups. So uh, they used uh, some pretty advanced uh, statistical methodology. Uh, it's called instrumental variables modeling. So I won't get into that. I don't think the audience is too interested in hearing details about uh, that type of methodology. But um, let's talk about the results. So of this large 
group of patients with neck pain, about 25% of them started with primary care. About the same percentage started with chiropractic, 25%. 5% orthopedic surgery, um, 4% physical, medis- uh, physical uh, medicine rehabilitation, 3% PT, 2% emergency room, and 2% um, advanced practice nursing. So very small percentage, about one uh, were in the acupuncture group, and then there was 32% in the other category. Um, so uh, they, they evaluated, again, healthcare utilization, uh, x-ray. Uh, they, they broke imaging down into x-ray as well as advanced imaging. So they found that the group starting in orthopedic surgery had the highest rate of both x-ray and advanced imaging utilization. And the lowest rate were the chiropractic and the acupuncture group. So for example, um, in the CT MRI uh, modality, chiropractic utilized uh, that modality only in 7% of cases. Orthopedic surgery was 37%. Um, so hospitalization, not surprisingly, orthopedic surgery had the highest, chiropractic had the lowest, uh, 10% and 6% respectively. Surgery, again, not, not surprising here that the orthopedic uh, group had the highest um, prevalence of surgery at 7%, chiropractic had the lowest at around 0.7%. Uh, And here's where it gets interesting. So the emergency department visits. Chiropractic had the highest prevalence of emergency department visits at 43% of all chiropractic visits had an emergency department visit. And physical therapy had the lowest, around 16%. So if we look at all provider types across the study, the the mean average of... uh, prevalence of ED use was 23%. So uh, what this means is chiropractic patients had almost twice the the prevalence of emergency department visits uh, versus the kind of mean of all the other providers combined. Uh, So we'll talk more about that finding here in a minute, but just to finish off the uh, healthcare utilization portion, um, opioid medications they looked at Uh, Acupuncture and chiropractic had the lowest utilization. Uh, They were 1.2 and 1.7% of patients, respectively. Those patients whose first visit was in the emergency department had the highest opioid utilization at 12.6%. And then finally, they looked at cost. So the average cost for an episode of of, uh, back pain um, for starting with chiropractic uh, intervention was around $5,000. And the total cost starting with orthopedic surgery was about 9,400, 94.34. So um, in their discussion, they, uh, there's a quote and I'll read it directly. It says a surprising finding was the high rate of ED visits for individuals with low back pain seeing chiros first. So that is definitely a surprising finding. And uh, I can um, kind of go into why that is not consistent with a lot of the other literature 
in in this area, which I'm quite familiar with. Uh, if that's if that yeah. is a, a logical place to go next, Dean. Yeah, I, I just I just had a question. I I just want to make sure I understand this correctly. I'm looking at the figure, uh, and for everybody else, this is a free full text, so you can check it out for yourself. Um, but I'm looking at the figure uh, talking about healthcare utilization adjusted rates by first provider seen for low back pain. And I'm looking at all these MRI, any radiography, had ED visit, had hospitalization, had surgery. I just want to make sure I understand the stats correctly here. So um, when it says had ED visit, so are, are we to assume, do you think that this is just, if you had seen a chiropractor, your chance of having an emergency department visit was 43%. Is that how That's I should interpret they, it? That is what they're concluding from okay. their from their modeling. Okay. Right. And so we, we have to, I guess, account for the fact that this is not a direct one-to-one correlation, right? They're... Um, when you do studies like this, observational studies, you try to adjust for all of these covariates, all these independent variables, to try to balance um, these variables among different provider types. Because there's there's uh, obviously a treatment bias that exists in most patients, that they have a preference for one type of provider versus another. So we we look at a whole series of baseline characteristics of these patients. And we try to use different modeling techniques to uh, equilibrate or balance those those, uh, baseline variables. And these are techniques uh, like propensity scoring, and there's many different variations of that. But um, I just wanted to, to make clear that the results that they're documenting here are, you know, following a lot of statistical modeling and adjustment for many different variables. So it's a little bit, it's not as straightforward to, to um, interpret as, as it might seem at first approach. So uh, if you look at the bottom of that figure one, actually, it does say that the models control for gender, age, comorbidity, insurance status, uh, rurality, meaning where they lived, rural or urban, county-level economic measures, state limitations, provisions to physical therapy access, right? So all of those variables are considered when, they're, uh, when they are showing the results that you're describing here. Got it. Okay. I, I appreciate you going through that. It's, yeah. It, so for the average person, there's there is a lot that that went into <laughs> the numbers that we see and yes. uh, and the bars that uh, that we're looking at. So, okay, fantastic. Yes. I appreciate that. Yeah, if you could if you could help us try to understand uh, from your perspective what what uh, what this means. Like, is this? Uh, I don't know. I mean, when I first looked at, it, I was just confused because yes. if you look at that same figure, it says had hospitalization. I mean, the first thing I'm thinking in my head is chiropractic had the lowest hospitalization. I would figure a pathway to hospitalization would be an ED visit. Yes, right. And chiropractic, in fact, had the lowest utilization of almost all of these variables that were studied. So if we look at table uh, table three, 
they rank each provider type based on the likelihood of using each of these healthcare interventions, right? So across the top are PT, Cairo, ACU, APRN, PCP, and so on. And then um, in the rows, we have all of the healthcare utilization interventions that were studied. So the lowest use is the highest number. So lowest use is eight, highest use is one. So look at all the numbers under the chiropractic column. There are sevens, sixes, eights, right? Yeah. Which means that they the patients who initially saw Cairo had among the lowest utilization of early opioids, long opioids, MRI, CT, any radiography, hospitalization, had surgery, or had serious illness. They're among the lowest of all of those variables that that were studied. And then you have this outlier here, which is a one, which means the highest use, and that is associated with ED visits. So I I don't know. I, I refer to something called the sniff test, right? Does it just looking at all of these other variables that were studied and common sense and clinical experience and reading studies that are similar to this for for the past you know four or five years given you know um, my area of interest my area of research interest when you see an outlier like that you have to question it because it does not line up with the rest of these conclusions so let's talk about some of the other research that uh, kind of opposes these findings um, so let's see. We have. I mean, your research. Yes. Your your research has opposed. Uh, yes. This type of thing. Yeah, exactly. So one of the studies we talked about in our last conversation, as I mentioned earlier, was uh, looking at a, a series of eight thousand episodes of neck pain and uh, associations between spinal manipulation versus any other type of treatment and healthcare utilization. And again, we found only 3% of the group that had access or uh, exposure to spinal manipulation had any sort of uh, emergency department visit. And in fact, the, the relative risk after we did some modeling was 17-fold higher uh, or 16.9 um, for the group that did not have uh, spinal manipulation as compared to the group that did, right? So this, the finding in, in that study suggests that uh, SMT has uh, a very strong protective effect against going to the emergency department. So what we're seeing in this study um, this where to start study is exactly the opposite of that, right? They're saying that that chiropractic is a risk factor for ED exposure. Um, so I'll just go through a couple of other studies here real quick, and we can link these as well in the show notes, um, talking about the relationships or or just the prevalence of um, ED uh, visits in patients who have you know, low back or neck pain. So there was a study published very recently in June of 22 in Journal of Chiropractic Medicine. This is uh, uh, Acharya et al. 
So they evaluated 41,000 individuals with low back pain and again looked at associations between early chiropractic or physical therapy on subsequent opioid use, but they also evaluated emergency department visits. So they found that um, 4,719 of these patients had an emergency department visit within 30 days of their diagnosis of low back pain, which is about 11.5%, okay, which is a, a, a little bit higher, quite a bit higher than, than what I found in my paper, but it's still 11.5% uh, prevalence versus the, the 43%. Those, those numbers don't quite match up. Um, Another paper uh, looking at Medicare populations, which uh, the, the Where to Start paper was not looking specifically at Medicare, but uh, Whedon, uh, Jim Whedon and his colleagues just recently published a study of, uh, within the last month, I believe, in Spine, um, and they evaluated initial care patterns among Medicare patients with low back pain. So they found that about 4.6% of these patients um, with low back pain who had an initial visit with a, with a chiropractor or who initially received SMT as, a, as their treatment had an ER visit. Okay, so 229 out of uh, almost 5,000 patients. So that's 4.6% had an ER visit if they start with manipulation. Um, another very recent study by uh, Marachi in um, BMC Health Services Research, which I believe is the same uh, journal that this Where to Start article is published, right? BMC Health Services. Yep. Um, so they evaluated early PT for acute low back pain and its association with healthcare utilization. So they had about 110,000 individuals that that were exposed to early physical therapy, and those patients had 1,775 emergency department visits, which is 1.6% of that cohort. And the group that did not have early PT, um, that was almost a million patients, had 26,772 ED visits, which is about 3%. So um, either early or late PT was associated with emergency department visits, uh, the prevalence of uh, about 1.6 to, to 3.1. So we're looking at, again, magnitudes lower than what we're seeing in this where to start um, paper. I talked about my study already of uh, neck pain and SMT. Um, so you know, those are just some examples. I'll, I will um, briefly discuss here a, a systematic review, which, or I'm sorry, a scoping review, which was, again, just recently published November 2022 in Physical Therapy and Utilization. This is by Zouch et al. And the title of this paper is Influence of Initial Healthcare Provider on Subsequent Healthcare Utilization for Patients with New Onset Low Back Pain, a Scoping Review. So they group providers in the scoping review as either medical or non-medical. And the non-medical providers were considered chiropractors, physical therapists, and nurse practitioners. And they had 11 studies that met their inclusion. So they looked at medication, um, 
They saw reductions in both short and long-term opioids with non-medical providers. They looked at care seeking. Um, uh, so the number of visits to a chiropractor versus a PCP, um, we had about an average of 10 visits to a chiropractor versus five for a PCP. The cost, um, reduced cost was, well, actually, so there were six studies that evaluated cost. Two of them found increased cost with non-medical providers. Two of them found reduced cost and two of them found no difference. So we kind of have a wash there of whether, uh, which type of, of provider was more cost effective. Um, imaging, they looked at imaging, uh, you know, advanced imaging is reduced by between a range of 8% and 79% when care is initiated with the chiropractor. Um, and then they looked at, uh, let's see, primary care uh, visits. Um, well, let's see, two studies comparing non-medical versus primary care visits showed no difference in the odds of epidurals or ER visits. So whether you saw uh, a non-medical provider or a primary care doctor, your odds of epidurals and ER visits were the same. There was one study that showed a 38% reduction in initial uh, in ER visits with initial physical therapy, and I think I already mentioned that study earlier. Um and a significant reduction in, in surgeries as well. So, you know, the, I think the take-home message here, based on the, the pre preponderance of the evidence, as far as I'm aware of it, and I think I'm pretty well-versed on the evidence in this area, is that this 43% that they're reporting uh, for ED visits in patients starting with chiropractic is is a s significant outlier and i don't have a good description for for why that would be and it would be good to to communicate perhaps with the authors and and see what their thoughts are because they other than simply mentioning it in the discussion they don't really have a, a hypothesis as to uh, you know why that might be so, um, you know, I, I also looked at uh, some, some other common services that are used during ER visits and compared those with other studies. Would that be helpful if I talked about you know, opioids and MRI and how prevalent they are in, in ER visits as well? Yeah, I think that would be fascinating. Okay. So um, if 43% of chiropractic patients are visiting the ER, the question is, how are they among the lowest users of opioids and MRI um, exams? Because if you look at all of the literature on the utilization of opioids and MRI, which population of patients is overutilizing those two interventions to the greatest degree. And it, by far, it is patients who visit the ER, right? So I just have a few examples here of uh, studies looking at opioid utilization within or following uh, ED visits for back pain or neck pain. 
So we have a study here by Hoppe, H-O-P-P-E, in 2016 that reported 12% of ED patients you know, reporting uh, low back pain are prescribed opioids or are given opioids within the ER. Another study by KEA, K-E-A, 2016, reported 18.7%. Another study by um, uh, U-R-R-U-T-I-A, Yerusha, in 2020, reported a prevalence of 40%. So the uh, 40% of patients with, with back or neck pain report, reporting to the ER uh, get opioid medications, right? So those are all quite significant and don't necessarily uh, jive very well with the results that were seen in the, the Where to Start study because the chiropractic group was among the lowest users of either early or long-term opioid medications. The second intervention that's used very often in the ED for back pain-related visits is MRI. So um, we have a range here between uh, 9% and 26% of visits. I have three studies that I looked at. Um, one study showed 9%, another showed 11%, another showed 26% of uh, back pain-related ED visits were um, given an MRI during their ED visit. And again, if we look at the, the group in the Where to Start paper that started with Cairo, they are among uh, really only second to acupuncture uh, as far as the lowest utilization of MRI and CT. So if these Cairo patients are having so many ER visits, somehow they're not experiencing the very common interventions that are utilized during ER visits for patients with low back pain. So all of that put together just makes me really question this finding. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's what I would consider inconsistent with the, the state of the literature on this topic. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the, in, in addition, I'm looking at figure three now from the Harwood paper, and the chiropractic group has the lowest costs out of any of the groups. Uh, yes. lowest out of pocket and, and lowest total costs. And you have to think to yourself, well, how much is an ER visit? I mean, around where I am, yeah. it's not cheap. No. And, and if 43% are going to the ER, um, th there is, I, I don't see how it's possible to have an average cost, uh, you know, total or out-of-pocket cost that they're, that they are, uh, recording here in that figure that figure three, right. That you just, that you just cited. So, yeah. The other, the other thing, Dr. Anderson, I was looking at was, uh, I'm in the method section, uh, right now, or I was, <laughs> and I was looking at, uh, their measures under their section measures. Uh, I was trying to figure out, are, are all of these things, looked at within the first 30 days of the index visit, or looks like some of them were like the opioids were up to 120 days or even more. Okay. But I'm assuming that MRIs and the ED visit was within 30 days, but I honestly, 
I don't see it at the moment. I'm, I'm guessing that it was, but uh, that may not be a huge point. I, I just, it wasn't completely clear to me. And it could yeah. be something that I missed, but, um, but nonetheless, if, if you're comparing apples to apples, uh, let's say it's 30 days, 60 days, or even a year out. I mean, the bottom line is that the costs are lowest for the chiropractic group. And yet they're suggesting one of the highest costs, uh, I imagine on a, on a single visit, which would be to the ER where, yeah. like you said, you would be probably more likely than not to to get you know uh, uh, an opioid um, or imaging yes yeah exactly so very curious very curious finding and I, I think we wanted to to get on and just have a chat about that right and and compare it to the the state of the literature um, you know, as just a, a metric of, you know, uh, critically evaluating some of these findings that that seem, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, as an outlier that doesn't pass the the sniff test, um, you know, based on my knowledge of the literature. Great. Well. Hey, Dr. Anderson, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you responding to my email as well. <laughs> Sometimes yes. I think I have loony ideas, but, uh, you know, that's, that's where it's so important, I think, to, uh, to collaborate, to ask questions. I certainly don't have all the answers, and so I try to reach out uh, whenever I have questions to see if I have a crazy idea or what's going on. But I knew I was yeah. looking at something strange here. And I'm just, uh, I guess I'm a little comforted in a way that uh, you felt similarly that it was uh, a peculiar finding in the literature, especially when it stacks up with, with all the evidence that you've talked about and uh, the various studies that you went through. I'll make sure to have links to those uh, papers. But hey, this yeah. was fun. This was fun. I, I appreciate you getting on with me again. And uh, we might have to do this more if you're up to it. Hey, yeah. What? Whenever you come across these wacky findings, please <laughs> feel free to. Uh, well, I, I, you know, if it's within um, my area, I guess, or uh, if I find something, then I'm going to reach out to you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Your area, and, absolutely. And even if it's, even if it's within neither of our areas, I think we have enough combined uh, training and, and experience to kind of critically review a paper and look at the state. Uh, or how it kind of fits in with the with the uh, evidence as a whole, and um, yeah, hopefully, some, you know, people get some some benefit out of listening to a discussion like this. Yeah, and I I tell you what, if if somebody has a a really good uh, idea as to what is going on with that, I I'd, I'd welcome them. Contact me. I'd love to know. You know, if you have. Uh, if you have some knowledge, I, I wonder if there's going to be some letters to the editor or maybe maybe we can even think about that as a possibility uh, well, in the future. Yes. And, you know, this that was my first thought. And I'm sure readers or listeners are going to suggest that. And uh, BMC uh, has kind of an unusual policy where they, they don't allow letters to the editor. Um, they they allow a different category of response um, paper. And I can't recall the term that I, 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 
that they use for that type of, of response. But in any case, um, the publication fee still applies if you wanted to, uh, you know, write such a, a response paper based on, you know, one of the papers that has been published in their journal. So that's the that's the limitation. Is, yeah, and I don't think uh, it's cheap. It's over two thousand dollars. I think it's over two thousand dollars to to basically what amounts to a letter to the editor. So that's uh, I think one of the reasons why we decided to come on here and talk about it rather than just write directly to the journal or to the authors because the this journal doesn't really allow that path without you know a significant um you know financial burden to to uh question or or um you know possibly correct some sort of an issue with one of their papers you would think they would not want to put barriers up to to individuals who, who are interested in doing that but uh, unfortunately, that's the way it stands. So we'll come on here and talk about it instead. Sounds good. Awesome. Okay. Hey, uh, thanks again, Dr. Anderson. All right. Great to talk to you again, Dean. You too. Bye-bye.